The reading is this evening from the 23rd chapter of Luke. Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with Jesus. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by, watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Messiah, he's the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, certainly this man was innocent. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. There's nothing more we can do. These six words, or some version of them, they're a refrain we hear at hospitals and hospices. Many of you have heard them spoken to you as you've accompanied someone you love from living with an illness to dying from it. And I'm willing to bet that if you've heard this refrain, you remember the moment you've heard it. Because what it means is we lost. We tried our best and we came up short. All we can do from here on out is watch as death has its way. The process is already in motion, and you don't get a choice about it. Sure, you can choose to linger at the bedside or flee in your panicked grief. You can choose to sing or pray or keep silence. But any road you take leads inevitably toward the death of your loved one. And in this moment, you become aware of how little is actually in your control, 
how small and fragile you are, how each of us is hemmed in by a mortal body and stuck within time which simply marches forward, allowing us neither to pause nor to go back. Richard Rohr, the Franciscan priest and writer, defines suffering as whenever we are not in control. If this is true, when we hear the refrain that there's nothing more we can do, we suffer. For despite our protestations, despite our attempts to bargain with God, despite our mind racing with outlandish alternative ways we wish this would play out, we know quite clearly that we are not in control. And there's nothing more we can do to stop the path that death is making. Did Jesus feel this way? as they nailed him to the cross? Did he feel small and fragile, hemmed in by his mortal body and stuck within time? So much was out of his control. He didn't have a say over what he could eat and drink, trading last night's festive Passover meal for sour wine. He could not choose the company he kept. He watched his disciples flee as he was surrounded by those who mocked him. And his body, immobilized by nails, could no longer travel the countryside as it had done, nor heal the sick, nor bless the children, nor hold or be held in loving embrace. He must have felt his life slip out of his control. He must have known that this would end in his death, that there's nothing more he can do to stop the path that death was making. And yet, improbably, as death closes in around him, as time marches forward and immortality weigh, or mortality weighs his body down, Jesus finds something that he can do. Jesus may not be able to control whether or not he dies, but he does get some say in how he dies. And how he dies according to the Gospel of Luke, is filled to the brim with life. See, in every story in Luke's Gospel, we watch Jesus look at his surroundings and then figure out exactly how it is that he is meant to proclaim this reality of the nearness of the living God in each unique time and place and situation he finds himself in. And this story tonight, in many ways, it's no different. We watch Jesus figure out how he is meant to share that good news from the cross. On the cross, 
we see death taking away his body and breath, but it does not take away his deep faith in God's present kingdom, nor does it take away his desire to speak its living word. And what does this kingdom look like? You can see it from the cross. It comes in words of forgiveness, granted unconditionally to those who are still wounding the Christ. It comes in friendship with the outcast, a love-filled solidarity with another man condemned to die. And it comes in faith that God will provide and make good on God's promises as Jesus commends his whole life into God's hands in a trust that God will finish what he started and what he was unable to do, that God will vindicate the way of life that Jesus proclaimed. Forgiveness, friendship, faith. This is the fullness of God's kingdom that breaks forth into our world, even from the cross. And so, even when there's nothing he can do to stop death, Jesus still speaks life. What do we make of this? This could easily be a story to encourage us. We are prone to fear death. And Jesus teaches us how to die in faith here. This story might be an admonition for us to forgive and love and trust in God even as we suffer, even when it's hard, even in the face of our own death. And this is good advice, but it's not good news. A command like that is not grace. It heaps on pressure when we are at our lowest moments. No, this is not a story about advice. The good news of this day is not that Jesus give it, gives us an example of how we are to act, but that Jesus reveals to us the depths of God's love for us and the strength of that love against all that opposes it. For the mystery of Jesus' death, the mystery of our faith, is that Jesus' death somehow was for us. That the cross and Jesus' sufferings on it are actually a bridge that connects our own suffering to the heart of God. And we see that bridge by faith today. For if Jesus was able to forgive those who put him to death, certainly he forgives us. If Jesus was able to befriend a dying bandit, certainly he befriends us. And if Jesus was able to trust his waning life to God, then certainly 
we don't actually get a certainly there today. The story is left unfinished. But three days later, God will vindicate Jesus' life. God will vindicate Jesus' way of life. And forgiveness and friendship will be found more trustworthy, more true, more real than the very real death and suffering we undergo. And we will hear that there is no place we can go where God has not already gone. No pain we can feel that God does not already share. No suffering we endure that God flees from. For God has crossed this bridge in the death of Jesus, which reaches out and holds us in our suffering. And when we receive that news of grace with joy, when this strong word dwells in us richly, there's nothing more we can do. Amen.